Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 45 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. What's going on tonight, fella? How are you doing, boys? Nice to be back. Nice to be back. What are we at? Episode what? 45. Wow. 45. Wow. 45-er. Andy Katzenmoyer. The big cat. The big cat. My all-time favorite, so Ohio State linebacker. (laughs) Also Michael Jordan. 4-5, coming back. 4-5. 4, 5, and 23. I like. Well, this week we are doing a, a movie for all the underdogs out there. We're going to be doing a Disney Productions movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg's 2006 classic, Invincible. Every Sunday, millions of fans experience the power and rush of NFL football. But in 1976, Body Kill me! for the Philadelphia Eagles and a fan named Vince Papali. Vince, we've had some rough times, you and me. Bob, things are going to turn around. It was time to do something. Welcome the new head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Dick Vermeule. That had never been done before. This coming Saturday, Philadelphia Eagles will hold open tryouts. Now, you got to try out this weekend. Nobody's trying out. He's 30 years old for one thing. The Eagles' biggest fan. So the one where Vince runs around everyone. Is about to take a shot at a dream. Even if you're down there for one hour, you're down there. Who brings you out here? Would it be an eagle, baby? How we doing, AC? I've seen glaciers move faster. Where'd you play your college ball? I didn't play college ball. You mind me asking you how old you are? If you don't mind me asking how old you are, coach. Shocking news from today's tryout. The Eagles have decided to invite one man to training camp. Philly's own Vince Papali. In 1976, to make this roster, you must throw away all fear. A 30-year-old bartender. Excuse me, my name is spelled wrong. Nothing personal. What is it really going to matter? Who played only one year of high school football? You ain't going nowhere. Tried to become the NFL's most unlikely rookie. How am I supposed to run all this? You can't wear quarterback pads. You won't last a week wearing those. Nothing personal. It's really going to matter. Inspired by the incredible true story. To Vincent. This summer, you have a story, my friend. One man is pursuing an entire city's dreams. Papali is not making this team, and I am not going to be the laughingstock among the owners. When I told you not to get your hopes up, didn't mean that I wasn't. Mark Wahlberg, Greg Kinnear. Let's go to work. Invincible. Well, you know the deal. Before we jump into the movie, we're going to crack into a few cold beers here. So without further ado, let's get into our brew review. What are we drinking this week, Webb? Well, boys, this week, we don't have an actual brew review. We have just a classic beer, just kind of like this story, this underdog story. This is a beer for your working man. Uh, it, it like is made from the sweat and tears and probably a little sawdust uh, of, of your kind of lumberjack, great Canadian kind of guy. Uh, it's your dad's beer. It's the ultimate manly man's beer up here in the Great White North. This week we're uh, 
we're diving into a pint of, as JR likes to call it, cinquante. Uh, <laughs> and for all you listeners down there in the great US of A, that is Labatt 50, uh, which is pretty much the, I'll call this the original craft beer. I, I know there was a lot of craft beers. Mm-hmm. Who claim to be the original, but this to me, this is like the original craft beer because this is one of the big boys doing the kind of a uh, craftier beer, let's call it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, if if Labatt Fifty has social media, go ahead and follow them. But if it does, I'm going to be greatly disappointed. I can't. I don't want it to have social media. No, absolutely not. I don't mind Labatt. No, Labatt Fifty has a landline. That's but what. That's right. Sankar <laughs> dial up. is its own <laughs> dial thing. Up. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Cheers. It comes in a nice green can too, ah, to symbolize the eagles. Yep. Two sips. You know the deal. What do you think, JR? Oh, I love St. Gomp. You guys know that. I like a Levat 50. I like it on draft. I like it in the can. I like their swag too. You see somebody in a good 50 hat, you just oh, know yeah. that's somebody. You're like, I'd like to have a beer with that person. Give them a little head nod when they're going along, guys. Sank on, ice cold. These ones are out of a can. They taste uh, They taste fine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, believe it or not, in Kingston today, these were hard to get a hands on. The beer store was sold out. It's a big Wednesday beer. The LCBO, which in in, can- in, our ta- in Canada, in Ontario, there's beer stores, and that's where you get beer, obviously. And then there's LCBOs. It's like a liquor store, but they do carry some beer as well. So I had to go to a liquor store to get these beer, to get that's these shocking. 50s today. Yeah. I asked the beer store guy. He's like, no, we don't have any. Because people love it. Yeah. There's lots of closet 50 fans, too. You needed to go down to like, uh, what was that beer store by McGaffin? You probably it's closed. Could, is it yeah, closed? Yeah, the rats finally took over. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough day when that one closed down for yeah, sure. Yeah. Great beer, 50. Good ale. Tastes fine. Nice and cold. And when you drink it, you just feel like it's something you, you need to accomplish something it, to drink a 50. You grew a few hairs on your chest you after did. that it first sip. It just got a little you? tougher. Yeah. Yep. Old man strength. Yeah. Absolutely. Tastes yep. wonderful. Yeah, I love this beer. So as we mentioned, we're doing uh, Invincible this week. It was directed by Erickson Core, distributed in 2006 by Buena Vista Pictures, got a 7.1 rating on Internet Movie Database, and a 72% in Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $30 million and grossed $58.5 million at the box office. Music by Mark Isham, starring Mark Wahlberg, Greg Kinnear, Elizabeth Banks, and Michael Rispoli. Quick little movie synopsis. In the summer of 1976, 30-year-old Vince Papali is having a tough run of luck. He's been working as a substitute teacher for two days a week, but has just found out that his job has been eliminated because of budget cuts. His wife gives up on him and saying he'll never amount to anything and asks for a divorce. He works as a bartender and plays football with his friends. When the new coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Dick Vermeil, announces that he will hold open tryouts for the team, Vince reluctantly decides to give it a try. What happens next will change Vince's life forever. Let's jump into our character review and let's start with Vince Papali, played by Mark Wahlberg. Well, guys, is he not like your American dream type character? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole Philly piece with him being from there, you have the down and out guy. It sounds cliche, but in this instance, it's not because it's real. <laughs> so soft spot for Papali as being a substitute teacher grinding it out there that's a really hard thing to do yep um the budget cut piece it's very relatable it's coming into 2021 i mean things haven't changed since 1976 it looks like uh there's a lot of things i liked about him first of all he's gray hair his hair is amazing uh he works hard i love how he i know it's the 70s but i love how he has no gloves on i know i'm a big no glove in sports guy (laughs) 
love the no gloves of him. I love the hair. I love the work ethic. I like that the desperation factor all the time through him was pretty cool. I love that he figured out to be successful, I need to find a niche, and that niche for him was special teams. That's a brutal job kickoff. Yep. I did some kickoff work when I was down in New Hampshire playing football. It's really violent. I mean, this is way, this is the, this is a different beast. I know that. Being willing to be, to fill a lane on a kickoff at the NFL level shows how dedicated this guy was. Especially after you're coming off the street. You're coming, you're literally coming off the street. It's so violent on a kickoff that I always kept that in my mind. I'm like, that is just insane. You're running full tilt at this bat size into basically a crash. And you're willingly doing it every time. With blindside blocks coming. And Everywhere. Else. Everywhere. So yeah. I have a lot of respect for Papali. Um, I like the character Wahlberg. I love Wahlberg all the time. Um, Webb, those are my things on Papali. Yeah, this was a, he's a good character. I mean, you you find yourself rooting for him. There's nothing really negative to say about him. He he's loyal to his buddies, yes, right? Is. Like he he he's content with his life and kind of where it is, even though it kind of sucks. Like he's not he's not the woe is me, like why is this happening to me kind of guy. He's the I'm going to go out and just do the best I can and make it work. Uh, you feel bad for him because his wife leaves him and everything else, and and the budget cuts. <clears throat> And you, you want to root for him. And so when he gets the shot, you're like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, is he, I, I know it's kind of based on a true story, but I, it's still kind of unbelievable to me that this could actually legitimately yes. happen. Um, and how bad he would have been dominating those little backyard games <laughs> or how crazy those games looked. That oh. Sandlot football? Oh, my God. When, he, when he puts the guy in the car on that one. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, my, my body immediately, like my back immediately hurt when, they, when that guy yeah. went into that car. And I mean, Wal- like, oh, yeah. Wahlberg's always in really good shape. He looked like he was extra big for this movie. I don't know yeah. what the timeline is in terms of where this was and when he did it. What was that movie? Pain and Gain with The Rock where he got really jacked and big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks like he's either coming off that, like, you know, he's got the hair from Boogie Nights, but he's big, like, I think Pain, Pain and Gain, Gain was a lot. I think Pain and Later? Gain was after 2010. Yeah, this was 2006. Sounds... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I don't know what would have been around this time. Maybe, like, The Shooter or something. Remember The Shooter? Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a good movie. He plays, like, a farmer Navy SEAL. I watched that the other day, actually. But, you know, he's always in really good shape. Yep. And he loves sports. Yeah. Yes, he does. It shines through. You can yeah. tell this guy loves football. He's a good athlete in this one for me. Yep. Like he when he's running the routes and the the tryouts, he looks pretty good running those routes. Not bad. Yeah. Looks yeah. like he's got some athletic ability. Yep. He's running with purpose. Yeah. Yep. He looked pretty solid. Um, let's jump into uh, Dick Vermeil, played by Greg Kinnear. Uh, I really like Greg Kinnear in movies. Big Greg Kinnear fan in movies. I, I know. Like I, I like him. I just He's amazing like and stuck on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was great. What was the other movie, too, I really liked him in was uh, the one with Jack Nicholson. Uh, as good as it as gets. As good as it yeah. gets. Yeah, he's good. That he's was kind great. of his breakout role. But yeah. He's great. Bad News Bears, the newest one. He's the other opposing coach. That's right. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's great. Okay. Um, but as Dick Vermeil, uh, Dick Vermeil to me, is one of the good guys of football. Yep. I just saw that he was... Uh, He's one of the two getting inducted from the builders category. As he or whatever. should. Yep. Year, yeah. He is literally like in football, you meet these rough and tough and whatever coaches. He's one of the good guys. He cried. Yep. He was crying. I was like, this guy 
is a guy that I feel like you kind of root for. I know some people will make fun of him and they chirp Dick for real because it's easy. Yeah. But he is a good human being. I mean, being yeah. willing now on that end, being holding an open tryout in the NFL, that is crazy. I mean, it just shows how desperate that football team really was back well, then. I don't think that's I, – I, I'm not I'm I'm pretty I'm actually am sure that's not what happened. No. Um that was done up for the Disney aspect. Shocking. Yeah, it has uh, to be. Yeah, that was something, a good movie. That was something where, you know, when they say based on a true story, where they took some liberties. Well, you have to think about it because you're like, okay, there's no possible way. No. Well, it'd be a, li- a liability <laughs> insurance <nightmare>. alone. <laughs> it would be a liability nightmare to 100%. hold an open try with NFL players cuz they're just going to they're not going to hold up you know, no. I know they're, these ones are just running drills and they're going to pick from that to bring somebody to camp. But it's there's a lot of logistical things where, you know, somebody rips a hammy when they're out there and they might sue you because they're on your turf. Like the guy in the cape that's in the greatest shape of his life? The green bastard. <laughs> the green bastard. <laughs> I have yeah. down. He's some parts unknown. <laughs> Trailer park I have it down as the green bastard. <laughs> I wrote it too. I have a regular the green uh, bastard. <laughs> he has one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. <laughs> when they're like, I'm going to jump the quote on this one. But uh, when they're like... Uh, <laughs> The guy's like, "Do you ever do you feel I have a good shot of making the Eagles?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, two years of high school football varsity." <laughs> <laughs> what a beauty he was! Um, but yeah, Vermeil overall, I I was always a big Dick Vermeil fan. Yeah, I like him. Super nice guy. I thought they it was really well cast too. Like Greg Kinnear actually kind of looks like him he did, too. especially back when he was in that yeah. era, that age when he 100%. just came out of a UCLA, I believe it was, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got nothing to say, nothing bad to say about him. Dick Vermeil's a beauty of a human being, hell of a football coach. Yeah, yeah, more than enough success. Like, even like you know, like I'm a huge PTI guy, and when they talk about him all the time, it's such reverence and, and respect mm-hmm. for him. So, yeah, for He's sure, a cool guy. He ran the greatest show on turf. This is true, <laughs> St. Louis. I mean, come on, true. this is true. Yeah, uh, let's move on to Janet, played by Elizabeth Banks. Can't blame her for being a Giants fan, guys. About our own, this one, you know. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm not an Eagles fan whatsoever. It's the only one thing in this movie for me. Um, she, I don't blame her for being a Giants fan. I'd be a Giants fan over an Eagle fan any day in the week. No fly Eagle fly here. Um, <laughs> that being said, she was great. Um, she's beautiful. As I said, she, you know, she's very beautiful. Um, she did an excellent job. She gave a little bit of a foil. Yeah, kind of liked in that like intense Philly bar. It's kind of nice to have an offset person who like, you know, the Giants gear. She wore, there's no possible way I put a thing in here, that you'd wear Giants swag into the no, upper decks of the killed. vet. You're going to get killed. I don't care if you're I a girl. I would never do that thrown. in a million years. Not a chance. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I wondered on that one. That's part, it goes back to later real fake bars, but uh, I thought she was great. It was a good add-in and it was kind of neat how... You know, my cousin from New York's coming. No, you didn't think anything of it. And then you're like, oh, that's your cousin from New York. And she did a good job of being kind of basically the love interest of his. Yep. Yeah, she was great. I mean, Elizabeth Banks is really cool, too, in terms of celebrity. She's probably one of the more down-to-earth ones out mm-hmm. there. Um, and she's, I mean, she's done funny shit, all kinds of different movies. She's got really good range. She mm-hmm. definitely does. She can uh, play a lot of different roles. When she was in, I'm one of my favorites of hers is, uh, when she's in 30 Rock and she's, oh, yeah. uh, Alec Baldwin's like mistress love. And it's just, they're like complete opposites, right? Like she's a super Democrat and he's super Republican. It's just, it's pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the character herself, I mean, again, based on a real person. So she, I thought she did a pretty good job. She did what she was supposed to do, which was 
provide a little bit of comic relief, but also show the the soft, loving side that this guy needed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to Max, uh, the bar owner played by Michael Rispoli. Just a perfect Philly bar owner. I literally wrote him down for that. Just a great Philly bar owner. Good dude. Good glue guy. I like Max. He's one of my favorite like human beings in the movie. Yeah. He just always seemed like a really good dude. He and picks everyone up. He puts his arm around everyone. And you kind of waited for like the other half to show of him a little bit. You're like, okay, but then what happens? Nothing. He's just there for you. Yeah. Jackie April. Yeah. Sopranos. Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, I, he, he seems like a really solid guy. Again, like I feel like there's not a whole lot of analysis on these extra characters. I like the fact that he, he really pushes uh, Vince to kind of go after it, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of the other guys too. So, like, yeah, he's just a solid dude, and he's one of the fellas. Yeah, and he's the kind of guy that, you know, being a, being a bar owner and being, you know, somebody's ear to bend – when you're in a tough spot, he kind of has his finger on the pulse of everyone. So I forget the guy's name. I think his name is Johnny. Yeah. The guy that kind of has the resentment towards uh, Vince. He kind of, when when uh, Vince doesn't understand what's going on, he kind of explains it to him like, yeah. hey, this is where he's coming from. You got to understand that. So he's kind of, he's he's the guy that can kind of ha- have his finger on the pulse and understand where everyone's coming from because he's the best in everyone. So I is, liked him a lot. Is this movie not, like in the characters we're discussing, just remind you of like, like such a declining Rust Belt town. Yes, yeah. I wrote that note. That I'm like, it was a declining <clears throat> Rust Belt town. Well, it's and right, right before characters. the OPEC crisis too, right? Like, yeah, America's about to go in the shitter hard. Like the Westinghouse piece and yeah. things like that. I'm like, this is old, you know, how, Baltimore, Philly, Buffalo, Cleveland. Like your Rust Belt towns. How much did you want to be in that bar though? When Vince comes in after playing the uh, oh making, yeah, making amazing the, the Eagles, amazing. I, and they're got, be... they got the rounds going for the boys. What and a everyone's, night. Oh, you'd be jazzed up. What do you think the square footage of that bar is? I was thinking about this. It doesn't. It yeah. doesn't look very big. I was gonna say maybe eight. I think it looks those... like it's got the main bar area and then it's got maybe a side room with a pool table and a little kitchen out back that has yeah. like maybe a couple things. We laugh because there's this little with some pig's ears on the devil pickle egg. I love pickle eggs. It's like it reminds me of this bar in Hamilton we used to go to called West End and it was literally like somebody's living room. Like it was that small and the yeah. most of it was the bar. It was awesome. I love that. Those yeah. types of places. I feel like though back then it's like one of those neighborhood bars and those towns are so yes. big. They're just broken up into little neighborhood. Boston yep. has bars like that too. Yeah. I love that type door. of bar. Like a little hole in the wall. You have it's your a bar. Local. It's called Europe. Yeah, very it's like European. a local. It's very European style. Yeah. When I was those in, old American cities, it makes sense, right? When I was 100%. in Belgrade, it was all little tiny little pubs like that on the corners. That's the culture. Like I, 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 Sarah and I always joke about going back to London. I'm like, yeah, just... The pub culture, like you don't even have half the people don't even have TVs. They just go and watch TV in the pub. And a lot of That's them, awesome. there's some places yeah, that don't breakfast, even, lunch, and dinner in the pub. Some and a lot of them will have a really tiny menu where they're just yeah. pumping a few things out, which is smart. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's easy. Yeah. No, absolutely. So let's move on to Frank Papali, played by uh, who is uh, Vince's father, played by Kevin Conway. I had that he's again your typical like Philly dad, bad advice but a good man. When he said, don't pursue this and go any further. And he regrets saying that, but he, he was a good man, I thought. I liked him as a person, but it's hard to say when he said, to, to tell your own kid chasing a dream to not go there as a dad. See, I think that was the reverse psychology move. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I think it was well, and I think he summed it up really well. He has a, he has a really nice quote speech 
uh, and uh, I'm going to jump the quotes on this one again, where he says to him, um, he kind of has that heart-to-heart moment with him when yep. it's his last night before he thinks he's going to get cut, right? He, he's always got that self-defeatist mentality. He thinks he's gonna, nothing's going to happen to him. Not, you know, he's going to get cut and stuff. And he says, uh, you know, I used to tell you about that Van Buren scoring that touchdown back in 48. And he's like, yeah, I know. He goes, well, that touchdown got me through 30 years at that factory. Got me through all those tough times with your mom being sick. And when I told you not to get your hopes up, uh, I didn't mean, uh, sorry, when I told you not to get your hopes up, didn't mean that I wasn't. I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of a nice way to sum that up where he's yeah, like. That's a nice scene. Yeah, you're using that, like you said, reverse psychology, kind of pump him up. And that would have been the mentality for, you know, that era especially. Yep. And, uh, but also like showing him like I, I always believed in you and I, I was getting my hopes up, you know. And then that, that like when he walks into the bar, right? When we were talking about like to celebrate with everybody and you just see him and he's like, rounds on me. And they're like, no, 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 rounds on us. And like, yeah. he, he just, he was so proud. Like, yeah, yeah like everything well acted you, role. Yeah. Like, yes, and absolutely. everything you said was bang on, right? Like he's a stand, the fact that he gives him the money that he needs too. Right. And like, yeah, I, I, he put a tear in my eye a couple of times in the scenes that he was in. Just yeah. That. Just a quality human being. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That was great. Are there any other notable characters that kind of jumped to mind for you guys? Uh, well, I have a couple. There was, um, well, Green Bastard from Parts Unknown. From <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Parts Unknown. Anyway, he was one guy. But I also had how Wade Chambers, the sports announcer. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, he great one. He's a great sports announcer. He was Philly local cable. Yeah. Philly's such a jerkbag down story. He had Philly. a couple of good it, one-liners. It, it, it really is. Oh, he was amazing. Wade Chambers from the, the news. I didn't really have anybody that kind of stood out. The only thing, uh, his best bud there that comes to help him with the car. Tommy. Kirk yeah. Acevedo. Yeah. Mm. He, he's probably, um, just because he's, again, his biggest cheerleader and fan. And, like, he's just a quality best friend guy that you need, right? And, he's a and good character he, actor, too. Uh, yeah. Kirk Acevedo. He's in a lot of good things. He's in Band of Brothers. He's in yeah. Band of Brothers. Okay, that's he's what I in thought. Oz. He got a start in Oz. Okay. And he's in, he's been in a few other things. He's in another show that I liked, uh, which is an MMA show that was on. It was called Kingdom. It was on Crave. Oh, vaguely remember seeing it. It's actually good because the reason I got onto it was because when we did the movie Warrior, remember the trainer? What was his? The yeah, actor? yeah, yeah. Frank. Frank. Yeah, Frank. Uh, I forget the actor's name. Frank. His, his name in real life is Frank something as well. Anyway, he's the main guy in this uh, movie, and one of his sons in it is one of the Jonas Brothers too. So it's kind of it's a really good uh, show. You should check it out. It's called Kingdom. It's about this like family. Uh, the father was an MMA fighter, and both the sons are. And there's this kind of like grittiness to it all, and whatever. It's got some good characters. Anyway, he's in it as well. He plays a gritty character. Yeah, he's solid. He's got my favorite line in the movie. Where he comes to like he plays the prank on breaking down the car. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like how long has this been giving you trouble since I bought it? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i liked him i also liked uh pete played by michael kelly so michael kelly is a really good character actor too he's in i don't know if you remember uh what's the show with um the political thriller with that had kevin spacey and oh uh oh. house of cards, house of cards. Yeah. house of cards he plays uh kevin spacey's uh, uh oh yeah 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 what doug do you, what do you yeah doug he's doug like um, doug stamper yeah he plays his uh Campaign, chief of staff, yeah, chief of staff or campaign manager. You know, Pete also stuff. believes in free pee. 
Remember yeah. when we're doing the thing on when side peaches? Feel free peas out there. That was my favorite thing when they're like they start rolling the cameras to do the interview. Like back in the day, it was live, right? They didn't oh, yeah. they didn't get to do these cuts or anything. Just and, letting uh, her fly. <laughs> he's out free pee. He's out back having a piss against <laughs> the king. It's crazy because uh, you look at him there and you realize like he's a fairly big dude he's in this movie. You think. And then the hair threw me for a loop because you're like Doug Stamper in that yeah. TV show is pretty tiny, skinny and bald. Yeah, and he was. Much bigger. That must show you that just there's a lot of short people in this movie. Like I know Wahlberg's short, and he looked fairly. He didn't yeah. look at a place from height wise. No, I bet you they cast it that way to make him look bigger. Um, let's move on to some quotes. So, so I already hit a couple of them, but are there any other quotes that kind of really stand out for you? Oh yeah, there is. Uh, I think it was last name was Frank's the center. Yeah. And he's like giving him all this, and they're like, thanks. He's like, I'm a center. I hate everyone. Yeah. Just think of <laughs> Jeff, grumpy quote. old Jeff Saturday looking around with hate pennies. Jeff Saturday was always so miserable. Yeah. But heck of a center, obviously. Um, the other ones, too, we actually get our players at an NFL draft when Janet was talking <laughs> at the Giants. That's amazing. That's pretty good. Uh, just, I also wrote down last one, I'll say, is the word just boo Philly. Everything's, they just boo everything. Or call people bums. Bums. You're a bum or boo. Boo! Like, I'm in Philly. Yeah, I like the. Uh, his excuse me, my name spelled wrong. And the guy's like, <laughs> "Is it really gonna matter, anyways?" By the time I'm through with this, this is really gonna matter. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, that one, and I like the car one. I mean, there wasn't anything that I was like, "Oh, that's a great line." Like it just, it was okay. Yeah, just some good ones. I mean, yeah. Carol Vermeil. Uh, these are the toughest fans in in football. They throw snowballs at Santa Claus. That was like mm, yeah. it's like Eagles fans. They are a bunch of degenerates, obviously. Oh, huge. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other one, TJ Banks, is to Dick Vermeil. You see anything yet, Coach? When they're looking at the tryouts, and he's Vermeil's like, "Are you worried, TJ?" And Banks is like, "Should I be?" And then <laughs> Vermeil's like, "Last year we had one of the worst defenses in the league, and the offense wasn't much better. I'd say everyone needs to worry. It's pretty good, you know, coming in and setting everyone straight." Oh yeah, um, and then the, just a kind of an emotional line from Frank Papali when uh, after uh, he greets him in the bar, he greets Vince in the bar after he makes the team and says, "Steve Van Buren ain't got nothing on you." I thought that was a good line. That's a great line. Mm. Yeah, now let's jump into some little known facts. So, in November of two thousand two, NFL Films showed Vince Papali's story on ESPN during Monday Night Football. It was part of a special uh, to commemorate the twenty sixth anniversary of Rocky. The four-minute piece about Vince captured the attention of Hollywood, and soon the film was in the works. I always think it's funny how there's these amazing sports stories that are hanging around there. Like the Rudy story, for me, was just a, a no-brainer, and it had been around forever. And, you know, nobody really, like, has, Hollywood doesn't know about it, or nobody, you know, how, how do these stories stay unearthed for so long, Yeah, and nobody in Hollywood's picking them up? Well, and there's so many sports stories that still haven't been told right like yeah. how you, you would think that in all seriousness there would be like a legit i'll say blockbuster sports movie come out every year yeah but there really isn't like you oh. you seem to go in like these spurts where you have like four or five all in the same year mm-hmm. but like there's enough stories out there you could legitimately have one every single and sometimes year. sometimes they're making stories about things where you're like why are they making a movie about that when like, there's it's real like, ones you can be using or, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll, or creepier ones. Or they yeah. do make stories about real ones where you're like, that wasn't really that great of a story. Like, for example, the Netflix documentary. Catcher, that's like, a weird one. The Netflix yeah. doc, Malice in the Palace. How did you not do something on that before this? I yeah. think part of that was getting the 
the players and the, the legality. Like, there's probably a statute of limitations. I was thinking about this. Yeah. yeah. There's probably a statute of limitations on, like, some of the legal stuff. But then also getting the players to agree to sit down and do it. Like that you, many you, of them too. Yeah, like you hear Steven Jackson at the end. Like I don't want to talk about this shit anymore. Like yep, you know you know what's fed this? up with talking about it. Ron Artest is in a way better place mentally now. Than yeah, was. that's true. true. So. That's true. Uh, actually, it's uh, his name is not Ron Artest. It is. Is it still world, Meta World Meta Peace? Meta oh. World Peace. Is this still Meta World Peace? Or yeah. did he change? I thought he changed it back. Nope. Oh, okay. So fuck. But there's so many. I mean, that's just one story. You know what? You know one movie they have in the works right now, and I think it's just a stupid idea. Is uh, a John Scott story? I don't. We don't need a fighter. No, I don't care. We don't need that. They wanted. They have that movie. It's called Goon. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) we already hated it. (laughs) Sorry. They they wanted to make a movie because he got to the All Star game. Like, no, no, that's not a movie. No, he had his moment. He got to the All Star game because he was like what six eight. You know what is a movie, though? Big dude. They very well could have done. Uh, And it actually did get made, or it is being made, and it's uh, Kurt Warner's story. Yes. Yes. That's a movie I would watch. Yes. But but apparently Hollywood didn't want to pick it up, so he financed it himself. Really? Good on him. Hope it does well. Although, like, I don't know. That's risky. Hope it does well. On the line there, but back at the grocery store. I mean, maybe that's why. When you think about it, right? Like ESPN saw that whole thirty for thirty and Bill Simmons idea and was like, "Yes," because yeah. there's a market for it. Clearly, right? And we've watched yeah, them yeah. all. We've watched them all. Oh, we watched yeah. the XFL one again the other day. It was really good. Yeah, we've watched them all. That's a good way to bring some of these. Well, the Jermaine or not Jermaine Dupree? Jeez, that's rapper. Um, <laughs> Marcus Dupree. Welcome to Atlanta. Marcus that, Dupree was a great. Right, one that was a great one. I'm like, that's a I never knew story. that story. You know? Yeah, that all the stuff cool. with the U. We yeah. were young for that, but we knew about it, but we didn't know the know Gretzky about it. trade. Yeah, like those the are Kings great Ransom ones. That was one, so yeah. good. Yeah. So Papali, uh, Vince Papali attended Interboro High School in Prospect Park and lettered in football, basketball, and track and field. In his only year of varsity football, Papali won all Delaware County uh, honorable mention honors. In track, he was a standout pole vaulter, triple jumper, and log jumper. Papali attended Philadelphia's St. Joseph's University on a track scholarship. The university didn't have a football team. As a junior, he won the United States Track and Field Federation College Development Pole Vault competition at Madison Square Garden with a vault of 14 foot 6 inches, 4.24 or 4.42 meters. So he was a terrific athlete. I was going to say, he must have had a really hard time getting laid in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, but we're talking about, we're not talking about a guy that just kind of like didn't play sports. No, this is an elite athlete. This is an elite athlete. This guy got a full scholarship to a university for track. Yeah. You know, this guy, and he won a this is an university. Elite athlete. You know, so yeah, he's, he's not just some guy off the couch. Uh, so the open tryout thing that we hear about in the movie mm-hmm. that they show in the movie wasn't really accurate. So Vince Papali's post-collegiate football career actually began right after university where he played with the Aston Green Knights of a semi-pro seaboard football league. A few seasons later at 28 years old, uh, or sorry, 20, yeah, 28 years old, Papali successfully tried out for the Philadelphia Bell of the World Football League as a wild, as a wide receiver. In his first season with the Bell, Papali caught nine passes for 121 yards, averaging 13.4 yards per catch, including catching the first pass in the history of the league. In 1975, Papali caught only one pass, but it was for a 49-yard touchdown. And he was working part-time as a teacher at this time as well. In both seasons with the team, Papali was a special team standout. His performance with the Philadelphia Bell earned him a meeting with 
1976 with new head coach Dick Vermeil of the Philadelphia Eagles after general manager Jim Murray got an, him an invitation to a private workout held by Vermeil. So that was kind of how things started. He actually was playing in a semi-pro football league mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, and they were scouting this, these, these leagues for players, and he was somebody that caught their eye. They had a private workout. He goes to the World League or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they didn't have this open tryout. They didn't pull him off the couch. Like, I was going to say, he didn't go from just playing Sandlot football to... Whatever that tackle league with their cars. Not to mention the fact that he's, like, huge and jacked and working at a bar. Like, it doesn't have one workout montage the whole movie. No, for sure. Uh, Vince Papali ended up playing three seasons for the Eagles and was the special teams captain in 1978. The real Vince Papali was an advisor on the film. The football coordinator was, surprise, surprise, our buddy Mark Robert Ellis. There you Again. go. Of it was. It's your boy. Uh, former USC quarterback Patrick O'Hara was also a football consultant on the film. He, You might remember him. He played uh, Cherubini, the backup quarterback, in any given Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember him? Yeah. Handsome prick in the he, movie, actually. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so Vince Papali is actually much bigger than Mark Wahlberg. The real Vince Papali is six foot two, while Wahlberg is five foot eight. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Discrepancy. Yeah. Um, in the Giants game, when Mark Wahlberg is running down the sidelines in the special teams coverage, a Giants player smokes him and crushes him out of bounds. This Giants player was a football player at nearby University of Delaware and was not supposed to contact Wahlberg, let alone knock him down. Nah, as, that's kind of great. As a, a good scene, though. As a re- result, this player was asked to leave the set. And was not invited. Oh back. come on! You're supposed to be Mr. Boston, tough guy. Give me a break. This wasn't on Wahlberg's uh, thing though, but the directors kept the scene in the movie because it looks great. The scene it was looks fantastic. amazing. That's I love it. He perils. pops right back after and comes yes. back. That's the perils of playing special teams. Yeah, I bet you, you Wahlberg wouldn't have minded it at all. You're going to get jacked. I hope not. Teams. Don't I, be that guy. I bet you they kicked that guy off the set when Wahlberg was like off doing something else. But I, I, I bet I just I think Wahlberg's one of those guys that he would have liked that. Yeah, it makes it authentic. Or, we, or at least he would have been like, hey, that's fine. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't see him kicking a guy off. No. I don't know. I think the director's thing is like, Jesus, we have a lot of money tied up in this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't want Wilbur getting hurt too bad, but that did make for How a great of a story would that be, though, as, as that guy when you're with, drinking with your buddies? Hey, you ever seen the movie Invincible? Yeah, I crushed Mark Wahlberg. That was yeah. real, and it wasn't supposed oh, to happen. Oh, that'd buy you a few free beers at the bar for sure. That'll at, get you a couple Max's, extra Labatt Except maybe in Boston. <laughs> yeah, maybe not in Boston. That'll get you some Labatt 50s. Definitely Adam in New York, York, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. And he hitting any Philly guy. The Washington football team. Yeah, Washington, any of that division. So kind of another thing that was a little bit different was Vince Papali is actually a native of Delaware County, Pennsylvania. His uh, his home, the uh, high school at which he taught, and the bar in which he worked at are all located in the towns of Glen Olden and Prospect Park, respectively. Disney executives decided on making Papali from South Philadelphia as this more neatly fit into the script and was more easily identifiable to a national audience. He actually taught at Interborough High School, where he went to school, uh, which was located in Prospect Park, Pennsylvania, in the bar, which is now called Pogue Mahones. I think I've heard of that bar before. Really? Pogue Mahones. It sounds like the name of a bar we've yeah. been to. Located I feel on, like we've uh, been to a bar with that name somewhere. <laughs> that's lo- also located on in uh, Prospect Park as well. Uh, I know, and I don't know if you guys, this is my take on it. I kind of feel like this. there's a lot of rocky aspects to this movie. Of course. 100%. And, and apparently yes. they shot a couple of the scenes by the bridge 
where Rocky's apartment was. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would okay. make so sense. So I think they were really trying to like subliminally. It looks get, like they lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah, yeah the, the there's very a lot of similarities. I think they were subliminally homes. or maybe not so subliminally trying to get people to tie everything to their experience of watching Rocky to this movie. You have to. If you don't, yeah, you got to draw on your prior knowledge of Rocky on this one. Sorry, where was he from originally? Uh, he's from. I'm not that familiar with the state of Pennsylvania, but he was from Delaware. 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 Imagine being whisked away to Delaware. <laughs> Hi, I'm Delaware. <laughs> but if you like, I've been through Delaware a bunch of times. Best. <laughs> when you said that, I was, like, I was holding that one in the whole time. I was trying to. Dilly, dilly. <laughs> the thing is, like the state of Delaware, like there's certain spots in oh, Delaware that like Wayne's world. <laughs> the state of Delaware, like so close to Philly, that is not is even. It? Oh my god. Well, yeah. this isn't the state of Delaware. It's uh, no, but Delaware like, County. But yeah. like Delaware County, but like the state, like you can be in like Dover. It's not even far from Philly. Like, Maryland, Philly is not Pennsylvania. Far. That whole area is so all tight. So tight. The yeah. Beltway, super tight. So a common misconception is that the film is missing a primary character, specifically Philadelphia Eagles veteran quarterback Ron Jaworski. But Jaworski, Jazz, Jazz. But Jaworski was still on the Los Angeles Rams at the time that this movie was in its time frame. Jaworski was not traded to the Eagles until March of 1977, which was the year after. Jaws, I did some deep dive into. Jaws was not on this team, and Herm Edwards weren't on this team. Oh, really? In his first year. He played with Herm That's why they were year. so bad. Yeah, there was no Herm. Herm taught him how to play the game. He, hello? <laughs> taught him how to win. The Eagles won the Super Bowl, what, in 81? Uh, no. 80? No, they did not. Did they not? They Didn't lost they to the Raiders. Oh, they lost. Uh. Okay. Watch your mouth. Over there. <laughs> Watch your mouth. They ran into me. the offensive line of Art Shaw and Gene Upsall. Never heard of him. Maybe a little Ooh. Jim Plunkett back at QB. Good Jim night. Plunkett. John Matuza. Sounds like a pitcher. Matt yeah. Millen. Oh, Matt Millen. Matt Millen was oh, the inside linebacker. Matt Millen was a beast. Was anyway, yeah. Millen's a big boy. Matt Millen's still the like guy in Detroit, or no, is he? He's done oh no, he's with Fox or one yeah. of those. News. Yeah, but no, they lost. The Raiders beat them. That Corey Millen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the climactic touchdown that Vince Papali scores against the Giants off the fumbled punt is based on a real play. The actual play can be seen during a montage in the closing credits. However, Papali was not awarded a touchdown for his efforts. The referees called the play back on a muff, not a fumble, and thus the ball cannot be uh, advanced beyond the drop. Well, on a what? Uh, a muff. Hardy, har, har. Um, let's jump into our realism review. What did you have as realistic and what was unrealistic for you guys in this movie? All right. So here we go. I put real, a couple things, uh, for real. First of all, like, I like how they hit. I already saw, talked about this story, the Rust Belt City. I have a soft spot for Rust Belt cities in the United States, though, for some reason. I don't know why. I really just do. Um, you're going to vacation in Flint, Michigan one day. I've been to the Target in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> Um, I've thrown water bottles at the window of people. <laughs> water <laughs> crisis for Flint, oh, Michigan. Uh, I like the importance of special teams. I think that's something in football that like casual fans don't really pay attention to. You know, it matters so much. And the idea of field position. Um, I like the idea of vet rookie. I don't care. Dick Vermeil. I love when you see that and you see guys in the NFL and coaches in the NFL. The NFL is one league to me that they do not care where you're drafted. You can be undrafted. Right. You can be packing groceries that Kurt Warner's doing. Yep. We don't care in the NFL. That, I re- on all the hard true. knocks, John Gruden even says, he's like, I don't care if you played in the Sugar Bowl, whatever bowl, the 50.com bowl. 
you're here now and you're with us. I love that idea and I well, love that aspect. Well, how many Division One football teams are there? Like hundreds, right? Yeah. There's a hundred and something. That's and a lot. I like the... I like the importance on that where they're just like, yeah, that's fine. You played good for you. Now you're here and you're just another person. What can you do now? What do you do now? I thought that was cool. Uh, Real, the rough Philly fans, bad weather, the vet, just a dump of a stadium, Uh, late hits, uh, school cutbacks. I thought those were all good things that were kind of very real. Some of the intensity. Yeah. And when he's down running now, you know, he's going down to cover the, cover the kickoffs. Um, the bit of tunnel vision you get, that kind of stuff. I think the stress and pressure you're under. Uh, some fake stuff I had was uh, looking behind him while running. You're not going to do yeah, that running into the end oh, zone. No, no, no. Not a chance. You are not looking behind. You remember Desmond Howard ran a kickback and he was looking up at the jumbotron. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> remember in the Super Bowl, he looked at the jumbotron to see what was behind him. You can see him looking. Yeah, up. That's pretty smart. And I mean, you had Desmond Howard wheels at that point too. He doesn't he was, have Desmond. He was wicked. Um, a couple other things I had. Uh, the jog he went on was a really long time Sa- playing Sandlot football in the NFL. Yeah, not only that, but in the, the rain, hits in the rain, the hits the that hits are happening taken. in Sandlot football. I don't think he, if you're playing, he looked in the like league, he hurt his knee on that one play. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was going to turn into something. I don't think if you're playing in the league, you're doing that one. Another thing I had, I could be wrong, but. I had it down as fake was at the start of training camp, decals on the helmets. Helmets are usually pretty bare in training camp. Yeah. They don't really sometimes put decals the in the NFL, do they? Sometimes they don't. No, I mean, like, usually sometimes it's just a plain helmet. Oh, sorry. You mean, like, start. numbers and stuff. Yeah. I noticed that. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I might get called out on that one. I'm not 100% sure. But I don't know if they put decals on right away. Maybe now they do. I don't know back then if they did. I have to look into that one. Yeah. Because why would you go and put all that time through for Vince Apolli who's going to get cut, yeah. in theory, pretty quick? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe. I might get corrected on that one. That's okay. Um, I think that's enough from me, Webb. I was going to say, I had pretty much all those. The only, the only thing on that note, too, was six preseason games. Seemed, Insane. Seemed like a lot. I don't know if that was like legitimate standard back then because there would have been fewer teams maybe in the league. Might have been, yeah. Uh, but that was the thing that jumped at me. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I think four is too many now. Yeah. like yeah. Th- These guys aren't making it into like – into into the regular season no though, right? so well if you play six how many times are your starters actually gonna play yeah that's just it yeah maybe um two. so i had that again eagles fans being completely uh completely turning on their team like that's <laughs> par for the course <laughs> any philly like any philly sports teams they 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 got the worst fans i'm sorry they all get turned on at all the point in time every yeah, point do. in time look yeah. at poor ben simmons right now oh yeah you name it but yeah. Anyways, I it basically it, it's a classic intro or it's a classic Disney movie. So you know they got a bit of a formula. So it is yep. what it is. Jamer, go ahead. I thought uh, I thought they did a good job of the training camp in general, especially when they start cutting guys. Like the coaches coming by, tapping guys. Coach wants to see you bring your playbook. That's mm-hmm. always one that that's mm-hmm. very common, right? Uh, and also, I thought Vince's mentality of the impending doom all through camp. I've been in that situation before. We were just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. Uh, like when, when they're going around like tapping on doors and telling guys to go see coach and he's sitting in his room with his bag packed and his book sitting beside him, just literally waiting for someone to knock on his door. Mm-hmm. Uh, that feeling can suck. Uh, unrealistic. I had guys wearing their mouth guards and non-contract drills in like the dead heat. Like you're doing those up downs and stuff like that. You're not going to be wearing your mouth guard. No. Cause you're, you're, it's hard chance. enough to breathe in that, let yeah. alone <laughs> shoving that mouth guard in there. 
Yeah. So that, and yeah, I think you captured a lot of them, JR. That was, that was all I really had there. You know, uh, let's jump into the soundtrack. So music by composer Mark Isham. Isham is known for his jazz and electronic works and has been involved in over 100 film and television projects. Film and TV projects include A River Runs Through It, Blade, Varsity Blues, Men of Honor, Miracle, 42, and many others. What do you think of the soundtrack? Uh, I love the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, BTO, Randy Bachman, Canadian. Um, overall, great soundtrack. Lots of good bar music, lots of good tunes. The tunes you might play. Like we talk about how awesome that bar is. I feel like the music helps make that bar awesome. Yeah. The old jukebox showing. I was like, that is awesome. I'd pump quarters into that I love thing. a jukebox. I, I haven't used one in so long. I'd pump quarters into a jukebox to line some tunes up i'd like to get an actual jukebox put in the basement when it's time cool eh heavy as hell oh yeah i'm gonna say we might uh... we're getting some professional movers for (laughs) that one i'm gonna say we're gonna hire out that one yeah that's not gonna be the boys (laughs) no overall um i thought it was really sweet i liked uh the uh ted nugent strangleholds on i love that song so uh overall i love that soundtrack up there is one of the better soundtracks i've seen in a movie in a while it's really well done. Um, it's like the perfect, I was saying this before we started kind of recording, it's like the perfect Americana 70s vibe, right? Like it captured it perfectly with a lot of the tracks. Um, personal standouts for me, love Mandolin Win with uh, Ross Stewart. We'll mm-hmm. Love that track. Uh, and then one that I actually didn't know was uh, originally, I had to actually look it up because I was like, I know this song, but I don't know this version. So, um, These Days by Jackson Brown. Oh, yeah. And I actually have the record, and I didn't know. I act- I'm like, why? Well, how have I never heard this? Because uh, I know I have a version of that song that I really... Have you guys ever seen the movie Royal Tenenbaums? Yeah. yeah. No. Oh, it's hilarious. It, it's like one of those like Wes Adams dark comedy movies, and the I Wilson love it. Scene, but yeah. yeah and uh, uh, Nico Case does a version of These Days, and it's like a very distinctive sound and her voice is very distinct and i love that version of the song and so i'm like i'm singing along in the movie I'm like i know that like this isn't nico like who is this and then so i looked it up i was like oh that's a great version so now i've been listening to it as well so sweet yeah it's like i'm pretty sure i have this somewhere and i flip it through and yeah that's sure awesome enough. when it pops up like that yeah um yeah very good soundtrack let's jump into our movie wrap-up so where does this movie rank among all-time football movies and where do you have it among all-time sports movies all-time football movies for me I probably had somewhere in the top 15. I really liked it. I hadn't watched this movie. We watched it in the theaters, Jammer. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, I remember that. In like 07 or something. It was a long time ago. And I hadn't watched it since then. And I watched I it again. Either. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Kind of forgot how much. I'm like, I like this movie. I like the story. I like the music. Like the actors, actresses. Like everybody in it. Setting. Everything's very relatable. So I have it high for that. Uh, overall movies. It's definitely a watch again. I'll watch. I won't wait as long from 07 definitely to watch it. I'll probably watch it again in, you know, in the next couple of years or whenever. Uh, probably in the top 70 for movies overall. I really enjoyed it. I like it a lot. And I will watch it again, Webb. Yeah, I think football-wise, we're probably around the same. Like, I'd say it's outside the top 10, but definitely inside the top 20. So, yeah, 15 sounds like a reasonable spot to put it. Uh, all time, I mean... There's nothing about it to me that kind of like screams I need to rewatch it. Like it's it's a fine movie for what it is. I found it's like it's very Disney formulaic, right? Like they they have a killer soundtrack. 
the story is somewhat relatable and they cast it really, really well because they have a massive budget. So, you know, it, it is what it is. You're not, you're not kind of, you're not going to be disappointed by it, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm not like breaking down a door to go see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say, yeah, it may, probably in the top 100. I don't know where exactly I would put it, but probably in the top 100. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, the thing I really don't like, even the ending of the movie um it's very like much kind of like a ripoff of rudy just like how cinematically how they did it yeah um and so I was they didn't thinking, carry him up they kind of like had their arm around yeah him and like then they like the way they like even the transition That's, and yeah. like it just i, I thought it was before yeah i thought it was stupid i was just like you know like i don't know be original a little bit but then again it's disney so what are you gonna do yeah uh, I've got it ranked at number nine for football, right behind the Express. Um, oh, yeah, that's good. And ahead Express of North Dallas movie. 40. And then I have it ranked just outside my top 50. So that's where I had it. So let's jump into our draft this week. So our draft this week in homage to Vince Papali, we're going to do the best undrafted free agents or walk-ons in uh, sports history. So, best undrafted free agents in sports history. Who's got first, first pick? pick? Yeah, I don't know. I believe I might have had it last time. You had it last time? I feel like you're up. I think they I might be. I'll okay. go third. I got a little <clears> list <throat> here. Um, okay. So, my first pick is going to actually be a guy who didn't even play uh, college football. I feel like he changed the game of the, the position in the NFL. Oh, I know who this is. He's a basketball player at Kent State. I feel like he changed the entire game, and it kills me to pick a charger. But a I'm going to go with Antonio Gates because he, he was a stud. Revolutionized yeah. the position. One of the best all time out of yeah. the position. And I have to. Even and though, he played forever. Even yeah. though he's a division rival. I always respected what he did. Yeah. And he changed the mold and what you're looking for of a tight end. It's great. Do you think Justin Herbert would like having Antonio Gates? Oh, oh my gosh. Anybody. Imagine a rookie QB and you have that guy. You're like, thank you. Yeah. Joe Burrow could lose. Safety. Seriously. That's a great pick. That is very good. That's a very good pick. I mean, oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. Football is one of those ones where there's been some really successful guys too, right? Uh Like have gone on. There's so many guys. There's not a lot of picks. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, – I'll stay football as well. Uh, and I think I, I got to just to uh, stick it to JR a little bit. I'm going with a very highly decorated kicker. I think you took him in our last draft, actually. And uh, he was a, a standout at uh, Peyton Manning's a uh, Hall of Fame oh, induction yeah. <laughs> uh, with a great photo bomb behind Tom Brady and Peyton Manning talking about how they both he got they both got him I think it was like six Super Bowl rings. Oh yeah, he's got both. Uh, so I'm going with shout out to Adam Venateri. Nicely done. He just continues <laughs> to haunt me. Just Nicely done. Crushing. He's been haunting me for 20 years or more. So I get two picks here. Well, I'm going to go with uh, this guy who was actually a Hockey Hall of Famer. He had 484 career wins, 12-time All-Star, won the Calder, the Vesna, the William Jennings trophies, uh, former North Dakota University goaltender, Stanley Cup champion, Eddie the Eagle Belfour. Great pick. 
And, one of the most iconic rip, goalie masks of all time. Oh, yeah. All time. And Eddie rip Eagle. serious darts. And rip darts. <laughs> Offered a cops a billion dollars has to a, not arrest him. That's a, <laughs> a couple of good uh, drunk videos out there, but, you know. That was a NASCAR race. What do you think happened? Eddie the Eagle is now? I Probably Manitoba. Carmen name? Manitoba. I can't remember if I heard probably he was Dallas. doing something. I bet you he lives in Dallas. Yeah, I would think. I bet you he lives in Dallas. Spent quite something a bit of time going on and, Yeah. Next one I'm going to go with uh, this guy. I mean, everybody loves this guy. He played 17 NFL seasons. He was a nine-time Pro Bowler and a former NFL Offensive Player of the Year, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But before he even played in the NFL, he played six seasons in the CFL. Good pick. Winning five Grey Cups mm-hmm. and a CFL Most Outstanding Player in 1983. We're talking about Warren Moon. That's a great pick. Literally who I was going to say. You just picked it. Well done. Great pick. Great pick. Okay, well, in that case, I'm going to switch. I'm going to... I'm going to uh, Switch sports here and switch the gears a little bit. I'm going to jump over to the hard court. Uh, lots to choose from here as well. I'm going to go just based on the fact that I watched the Mouse in the Palace yesterday or the day before. I can't remember what it was. What did you? Yeah. Uh, and it was really well done. And I yep. forgot how dominant this guy was defensively. Uh, and then I looked up his stats and, and everything else. Uh, defensive player of the year multiple times. Won back-to-back championships. Uh, and was just a hell of a guy you did not want to meet in the low post. I'm going with Big Ben Wallace. Great, probably one of my most favorite basketball players of all time. I love I loved Ben, ben Wallace. Wallace. Yeah. He felt like Piston Bad Boy again. And he he definitely brought that era back for sure. Yeah. And as, as big as and tough as he was, he wasn't that tall for a center. He was six no. nine, and yeah. he was playing in the era where there was Shaq. Was but he was built like a brick shit house, yeah, and he was thick. super thick and wide, thick yeah. and, and wingspan, and he is athletic as yeah. all good. Oh yeah, yeah. They had some athletes on that team. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so I'm gonna take make my last two picks. Uh, Webb, you're gonna like this one. This pick goes out to actually a friend of the podcast. Um, he played for San Jose State in college <laughs> football. He was a Calgary Stampeder, won the Grey Cup, <clears throat> went on to play for Webb's San Francisco 49ers, oh, became a three-time damn, pro bowl, goddamn right he did. dealt with the worst of Terrell Owens you could possibly deal with of all time. He's a redheaded stepchild, too. Absolutely. He's not aged jacked, very well. But he's jacked. His wife's still pretty good looking. He is in fantastic shape still. Yeah, like I said, he's a good friend of the podcast. Um, 25,537 yards. Bounced around a little at the end. The fact that he's kind of like a Warren Moon. He did it in both leagues for a really good amount of time. Played on some good teams, some bad teams. Jeff Garcia. Also an eagle. He was an eagle. Good pick. He was a very actually a pretty good eagle. He was a really good eagle. Um, there's also someone I'm going to leave off, Dick Vermeil's squad, because I can't do it. My last pick could be a little controversial, but I have to pick it. Okay. Hear, hear me out on this. This guy no, killed my Cardinals, but that's okay. Killed St. Louis Cardinals. There are no Red Sox runs without this man. He helped the Red Sox really break their curse. He coined the term cowboy up. Oh. Don't let us win today. I literally feel like without this man, the Sox don't get over the hump and break the schneid. I feel like you quote this guy I love pretty this much once every year. one of my favorite podcasts. Three months. I love this guy. They made a 30 for 30 basically yeah. about him. Yeah. Um, 12 big league seasons. Nothing crazy. Stats aren't wild. Nothing like that. But the intangibles this dude brought, Ultimate glue guy in baseball history. Ultimate glue guy. He backed off the Boston media so well when they were down 3-0. He basically pushed them right back and let 
his team do their job. Kevin Kevin Mala. He was have a to pick him. Culture builder. He's, He's a great a guy. Culture Huge builder. culture builder. He had builder. one of my favorite podcasts, him and Chris Rose, uh, Intentional Talk, and then they only did like 15 episodes. That, and was, that was great. It. it was very sad. You told me to listen to that pod. And they great did. pod. Fantastic. Uh, all right, I got the last pick here. Oh, I got one. Hold on. Oh, you do? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I got... Oh, jeez. There's Bokoop. There's a ton to choose from. I'm try- I was trying not to go basketball again, but I feel like I have to. I'm going to just do it. Uh, I'm going with... I mean, I don't know how you can't just because he's the Raptor. You got to go with him. How are you not going to go with Steady Freddy? Steady Freddy is not only he, – he's now the guy. He is He's going to be the guy in Toronto. So, you know. And he can handle it. And he can handle it. And he just – I love the way he plays. He constantly plays hard and, and works on all he parts of his game. cut his face in the NBA Finals yeah, and just kept like going. Just, like, I love yeah. this guy. He just he, – he just – he is that the heartbeat of that team now that Lowry's gone. So shout out to Steady Freddie. I'm going with uh, Freddie Van Fleet. Is he kind of carry on the Lowryness of that team? Hundred percent. Oh yeah, he's yeah, definitely. He's kind of like a protege of Lowry. Hundred percent. Like, okay, I like Absolutely. that about him. I love Freddie. He's Help, great. Hundred percent. And hopefully pick. Malachi kind of develops a little bit of that as well. Yeah. Keep that edge. I like Very that. good pick, Webb. Uh, last pick. I mean, I'm going to leave a bunch of Hall of Famers on the board here. There's a mm-hmm. lot of guys that could pick. Tons. But I'm picking the guy. I think he's the coolest one out of all of them. Uh, he played 13 NFL seasons, four Pro Bowls, three All-Pro selections. He threw for 34,000 career yards, 248 touchdowns. He took Jessica Simpson down in her prime. And he's the best announcer to ever live. Hell of a golfer, too. Great golfer. He's got a crystal ball up his Carrie ass. Underwood. I got Tony Romo. Yeah. And Carrie Underwood. He Literally, almost, oh, are you? he almost made the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. He's Amazing. that good of a golfer. And he can read a play like no other. Like he might be the coolest guy to ever walk the earth. When you're sitting on He's the couch on a Sunday afternoon watching the late game and Tony Romo's announcing and you're eating chips or something, is it not just the best? Because you know, uh, yeah, here it comes. Watch Gronk's in motion. Yeah. And you're like, this is awesome. I, I actually ha- followed this account where they tell you which games Romo's going to do each week so you can plan your... It's the best. Nice. You know, because you want to look at a feature. Well, he game. gets the major CBS game in the so afternoon, doing the late, right? Yeah, doing the late game, the 4 yeah. o'clock game. Well, like you, yes, yeah. or you get the major one, whoever the ma- the big game is that week he's on. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's the Patriots. I mean, we left a lot of guys off our list here. I mean, Kurt Warner is probably the most Kurt decorated Warner. guy. Kurt Warner. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. sorry, Dick that's Warner. like kind of everyone's normally top pick. But uh, Avery Johnson, your boy Udonis Haslam, Jr. I have him on my list. I like there. UD. You I love, love UD. Stark, uh, Starks. I had another guy, the baseball guy, who's. The Yankees almost Kevin Millar. I don't know if you remember him. He was a George Steinbrenner like staple. Jim Laritz. Jimmy Laritz yeah. was yeah. a Yankee. We also had Bobby Bonilla as another guy. Still so getting paid, paid by the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Dino Who's, Cicerelli. Uh, really? Curtis you undrafted. Cujo was undrafted. Cujo was undrafted. Oh my God. Wow. Uh, yeah, Dino Cicerelli. Dino Cicerelli was a really good. Six hundred goals. <laughs> yeah, no, he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Martin St. Louis. Did he get drafted? Nope. Oh my gosh. Uh, Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes is good. James player. Harrison. Adam James Lee. Harrison may be the strongest dude ever to play ever. professional Scariest football. Scariest guy. Aaron Foster didn't get drafted. Nope. Uh, James, or sorry, uh, Adam Oates. Joe Mullen. Adam Oates didn't Adam get drafted. Oates? No. Adam he had a thousand Oates. assists. Yeah, he didn't get drafted. Played Who's at RPI. Scouting? Who's scouting back in the he day? He played sorry. at RPI too and lit it up at RPI. <laughs> so I was like, 
I was there. Jerry D'Amigo. That was the name of the guy that came up the other day. I couldn't remember. We played at RPI? Yes. That is the guy you're thinking of. Webb said to me the other day, who's the guy from the Leafs that they drafted in RPI? He thought he was going to be a star. I'm like, I don't know. And then just Jerry D'Amigo came right now. I got a question some of the calls. I was there the night. We were playing against RPI the night that they retired Adam Oates' jersey at RPI. Was he there? Yeah. he's. I didn't realize how tiny or short he is. Ask Brad Hall if he thinks Adam Oates should have been And now Adam Oates is like... A skills coach and makes so much. He money makes a killing. He, he works out of like Newport Beach or one of those places. He's doing all right. He's doing uh, Mark Giordano, Dan Boyle, Jeff Cortnell. Uh, I did make Giordano, a Giordano, really? Yeah. He's like one of the top defensemen. He won the league. He won the Norris, yeah, a couple Jeff years Cortnell ago. Jeff Cortnell was in uh, There was a couple of guys we talked about earlier. Um, these guys came to my mind, but then I, re- I read something about a ruling. So Larry Walker wasn't drafted. Either was Yvonne Rodriguez or Edgar Martinez, who are both from Puerto Rico. You know how they, they allow Puerto Ricans to be in the draft now. Apparently, Canadians and Puerto Ricans weren't allowed to be drafted in the MLB draft until 1991. So that's why these guys weren't on. They went undrafted. They went as international signees. You want to hear a crazy stat? I know we're running long. I do want to say this one, though. And I looked it up today when we had to start. I did a little research. Undrafted free agent. This guy walked on at Wisconsin. Because I think it was Central Michigan wanted to be an offensive lineman. And he went to J.J. Watt. Watt. J.J. Watt? Yeah. yeah. Some coach. Are you kidding me right yeah. now? You <laughs> didn't put him through some workouts and realize that you know this guy's a You know was a two-time walk-on? Baker Mayfield. He walked he on at Texas Tech and then he walked on. A, he yeah. left Texas Tech and walked on at uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> and then goes first overall. J.J. Watt. Who, like, what's happening out here? You're not noticing this? Yeah, I don't know. Come on, some guys. bad coaching. That guy's same with some can. scouting in college hockey, like Martin St. Louis flying around the ice. You're like, Ooh. <laughs> I remember Martin St. Louis in the AHL. Like, you're yeah. like, this guy's incredible. Yeah. Anyway, that was the size thing, right? And for St. John Flames, you're we like, also left off Linsanity. Linsanity, yes. They shook a nation, shook Cul- a world. Culture changer. True. Absolutely true. Tell them where to hit us up, Web. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review. Please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks, on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. You can check us out on YouTube, and you can also check us out on old TikTok. Take care, everyone. All right. We're talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer!